Welcome back to the Father and Son Pastoral Podcast. I'm Pastor Kenny Birch Jr., Associate Pastor at Comer Manor Bible Church, and I am joined by my father, who is a pastor, author, and senior pastor at Comer Manor Bible Church, Dr. Ken Burge Sr. I call him dad. So I'm looking forward to today's podcast. Um, and this is podcast number 16. So we're really moving along in our series. We're looking at every word Jesus spoke in the New Testament. And today's podcast is entitled, Jesus' Second Call of Simon Peter and the Fisherman to Ministry, mm. which is taken from Matthew 4 and Mark 1. Uh, we're going to see that Jesus calls Simon Peter three times before he commits the full-time ministry. Mm. One thing I've known from my studies is, mm -hmm. and uh, many, many commentators and such have talked about this, but everything in Peter's life seemed to come in threes, yeah. three callings, three denials, three renewals. Mm -hmm. So, um, And we're also going to look today at the misinformed view of Jesus' yes. calling of Peter the view that Peter met Jesus and left everything without even knowing him. You know, it's, it's kind of this silly view that Jesus just walks up and says, come follow me. And they're like, oh, great, let's follow you. So, <laughs> yeah, that's right. um, and a lot of people believe that, yeah. where you got to look more at the text. And then uh, our main question based on this text is, what are your two main responsibilities mm -hmm. as a follower of Christ? And we're going to find that answer in Jesus' only statement that he'll make today. So follow me and I will make you fish for people. So before we get to the text, anything you want to say, Dad? No. Welcome. Uh, thank you. I, all the titles always sound good, but none none better than Dad. So I appreciate that. It's, it's good to be with you and, and doing this. I just love this account uh, for so many reasons, because I think it's very fair to say up front, both you and I are not evangelists <laughs> by nature. So just the simplicity of how to lead uh, people to Christ is an encouragement to those of us that just perhaps don't have that yeah. the gift of evangelist. Yeah, you meet some people and you can just see that's their gift. Yes. It's just supernatural. Yeah. Where obviously we evangelize. Yeah. <laughs> but you can when you're honest with yourself, you know what your gifts are and what your gifts are not. That's right. Doesn't mean you don't still go and do it. Yeah. So uh, that's right. And this is and that's why this text is important. It's for everybody. Exactly. So uh, we're going to get right to the text. So we're going to jump today to Matthew 4, mm -hmm. um, and we're going to start in verse 18, if you want to follow along with us, mm -hmm. which I highly encourage. Please. So the text says, as he, Jesus, was walking along the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and his brother, Andrew. They were casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Um, if you remember from our last podcast, Jesus adopted hometown of Nazareth, tried to kill him. Yeah. So he traveled around 20 miles or so from Nazareth to Capernaum, yeah. which is on the Sea of Galilee. Yeah. Uh, the fishing village of Capernaum would be his base of operation. Mm -hmm. So this is the place he would do most of his ministry. Yeah. We believe Peter's house is there. That's right. There's a lot of evidence even today that you can go and visit it. Mm -hmm. And it seems pretty legit. Yeah, um, from exactly. all, everything I can tell. I agree. Um, it's not like, you know, when he ascended into heaven and there's the footprint a footprint of Jesus. Footprint you can go visit and pay money for. <laughs> That's and right. He dipped his foot in cement. That's right. But uh, it's very uh, a legitimate case can be made yeah. from early historians. Um, so Peter and Andrew lived here mm -hmm. in Capernaum, but they were from Bethsaida. Yeah. So it's possible they could have had a little money. We don't know. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, they just moved. 
Uh, this lake, which you have been to, and I want to ask you sure. in a minute what it looks like, just yeah. to give a visual, sure. but is massive. And from yeah. my research, there were over 12 harbors yeah. in this lake, 12, yeah. 12 little ports. Now, usually think of that with oceans, but this lake was so big and right. there was such a fishing trade that you had harbors all around mm-hmm. the lake. So this narrative picks up right after Jesus moves to Capernaum. I wouldn't be surprised if it's literally when he's walking back. Yeah. <laughs> And he sees his friends who he had called before. Yeah. And we'll find Jesus walking by the lake when he sees Simon and the others fishing. So really quick, what, what would you tell people about uh, the Sea of Galilee? Because obviously I've never been there. I've seen pictures, videos, yeah. so forth. But uh, Two things, and I, I fully concur. Um, I visited the place, they believe, where Peter had lived. And there's a lot of uh, evidence that it's accurate. So that was special. Uh, but... I, Mom and I took uh, a ride on the uh, Sea of Galilee. Uh, we couldn't walk, uh, so we, we we opted for the boat ride. Thirteen miles long, seven wide. It's it's a spectacular, and you you nailed it because it is a lake. Uh, in the Old Testament, uh, it's called the Sea of Kinnereth. Uh, Kinnor is the is the Hebrew for harp because they believe it's shaped like a harp. But when you get a New Testament, it it's, has so many different names. It's the Lake of Gennesaret, Luke 5.1. It's the Sea of Tiberias. Uh, but it's a beautiful location. Oh. I remember uh, looking over uh, the lake, and there was a lone fishing boat out there. Moy, you want to talk about going back to uh, the first century. So it's, it's spectacular, surrounded by mountains. Oh. They had beautiful scenery to fish. And, and where to live. Well, yeah, so I hope to get there one day and yeah. see it. I mean, I've seen a lot of, like I said, videos sure. on it, and it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw the Israel build a walking trail around it that you can just walk around the yeah. lake. So I'd love to do that one day, but kind of just sets you, your mind in the right place. Exactly. Get the correct visual of what's going on. So as he was walking along the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and mm-hmm. his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Mm. Verse 19 says, follow me, he told them, and I will make you fish for people. Immediately, they left their nets and followed mm-hmm. him. So many people have isolated this text. Um, we see that a lot with proof texting yeah. or... Um, even just trying to take just one story from the gospel and just try to jam a whole narrative into just sure. one like small text. And they've created what I've called the misinformed view mm. of Jesus calling Peter, Andrew, James, and John to join him in full-time yeah. ministry. So this is kind of, if you probably watch TV shows, movies, this is the view because it saves a lot of time. Yeah. Um, you rarely see when, you know, Andrew and John go and talk with Jesus sure. and all that. A lot of times it just jumps to Jesus is walking along the sea. Yeah. So I kind of, I think this is romanticized. Mm-hmm. It, it's very, it sounds awesome. You know, I met Jesus and just followed him. Yeah. So in this view, Jesus simply walked up to these fishermen he had never met, called them, and they left everything to follow him, even though they knew nothing about him, which really makes no sense. <laughs> it makes absolutely no sense. And pretty soon you're going to walk us yeah. through that mindset. Yeah. But there is an earlier account yeah. encounter back, in, yeah. and we looked at this in John 1. And just real quickly, what prepared these disciples? And I, I wrote it down when I preached through uh, John. There was dedication because in John 137, uh, they were following Jesus. Uh, there was discernment. 
Um, when Jesus asked, what do you seek? They asked a question, where are you staying? Mm. I mean, they, they wanted, they really wanted to engage oh. uh, the Lord Jesus Christ. And then there was even duplication oh. because it's Andrew who brings his brother to Christ. So there's a lot of background oh. before we get here. Oh. So I'm, I'm so glad you're bringing this out. It's necessary for people to understand uh, what actually happened. When did you preach to John? Because that was that one pre, might have been uh, pre uh, YouTube. <laughs> yeah, that one might have been now about twenty years okay. ago, and it was just a, a wonderful thing. Because yeah. I was thinking, with the website we have Matthew, Luke, um, and then obviously so many other books of the Bible. Sure, but I wasn't thinking we had don't John. have John. Yeah, yeah I want to re- come back and redo that. So, so that would be wonderful. But yeah. um, so I kind of just ingest wrote down a conversation yeah. here. I love it. That they could have had in this view. Mm-hmm. It's something like Jesus walks by, and I can just picture this in a movie, say, hey, you come here and follow me and you will fish for men. The men responded with something like, I have no idea who you are or what you mean, but sure, I'm going to leave everything to follow you. By the way, who are you? Andrew then looks at Simon and says, let's throw away our professional lives, give up our jobs and follow this guy and fish for people. Mm. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it makes it makes no sense if you follow that. Where that's, um, right. that's why this podcast and obviously Bible study mm-hmm. is so vital Absolutely. because it just puts everything in a biblically informed view of what happens. So just quickly, we see Andrew originally brought Simon to Jesus, who mm-hmm. invites them along with James and John to follow him. So. And that's after Andrew and John spent the day with him, questioning him. Mm-hmm. After John had already pointed and said, uh, John the baptizer already pointed and said, behold the Lamb of God. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so uh, they meet with Jesus exactly. and Jesus says, come follow me. So Simon, Andrew, and John travel with Jesus to Cana and meet Philip and Nathaniel on the way. Um there's no biblical proof at this point that James was with them. It's mm-hmm. possible that he tagged along. Mm-hmm. But we know Simon, Andrew, and John went, and they meet Philip and Nathaniel. Simon then sees Jesus perform his first miracle at the wedding in Canaan and believes in Jesus. Mm-hmm. Remember when we talked about that? Mm-hmm. Uh, Simon travels with Jesus and has a quick stay in Capernaum with Jesus's family. Simon goes to Jerusalem for a Passover with Jesus and watches him clear the temple. Simon baptizes converts while Jesus preaches to a large crowd. So you see there's a deep relationship right, growing exactly. here. Simon leaves Judah with Jesus after John the Baptist is arrested. Mm-hmm. Simon travels with Jesus through Samaria and helps mm-hmm. Jesus minister to the people of Sychar. Simon assists Jesus as he preaches in Galilee and witnesses Jesus' conversation with the nobleman. Simon at this point either goes back home to fish or possibly watches the people of Nazareth as they try to throw Jesus off a cliff. I tend to believe that he went home at this point, Mm because he's a married man, we know. Uh, We believe he had children. Mm -hmm. So it seems like at this point, he went back to take care of the necessities at home. Mm -hmm. So it's possible, once again, that Simon is back home or watches Jesus move to Capernaum. Um, And that's where Simon lived in a house with his wife and family, which we see from Scripture. People deny that, but... uh, don't deny scripture. <laughs> and then um, Simon, and that picks up today's mm-hmm. uh, podcast, Simon goes fishing with his brother on the Sea of Galilee. And as Jesus walks along the shore, he will call Simon and the others for the second time. Mm-hmm. 
So I think it's clear from scripture that Simon and the others immediately left their boats and joined Jesus yeah. because they had a deep working relationship with him. Um, they knew who he was. That's it right. wasn't some stranger. So it's this guy who they know is the Messiah comes back by and says, hey, come on, let's go. That's right. um, so they dropped everything a second time yeah. <laughs> and followed him. That's right. So with that in mind, Jesus says in verse 19, follow me, he told them, and I will make you fish for people. Yeah. Um, it wasn't a, this wasn't a nice way to say it. It's a command. It's a command. He just said, follow me. You yeah. know, I'll make you fish for people. Uh, Burns writes, their net, this net must be employed constantly, diligently, and skillfully. Mm-hmm. And I love uh, verse 20. Immediately, they left their nets and followed him. They did not need time to think or they didn't hesitate. They followed him immediately because they knew that Jesus was the Messiah the Lamb of God, the Son of God, who had come to take away the sin of the world. So uh, I love the command. It's follow me, literally come behind me. It's a technical term to be my disciple, to be my apprentice. Thing that's interesting too, uh, in the first century, people sought out a rabbi, as Paul probably did with Gamaliel, uh, to sit at that probably renowned person's feet. Mm. Jesus is doing the choosing here. Jesus is doing the picking. Mm. And then he's commanding them uh, to follow him. It just shows the authority. And no wonder why when he talked, he said, oh, he teaches as one with authority, unlike the scribes. Yeah. And that's why later when he will choose them as apostles, yeah. it'll be, you didn't choose me, I chose you, I chose which you. is taken out of context a lot by people for individual election. Mm-hmm. which is really just talking yeah. about Jesus' choosing yeah. of his apostles. Yeah. But yeah, so now we see going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother, John. Yeah. They were in a boat with Zebedee, their father, preparing their nets, and he called them. Now, it's important, I think, to remember that we think a lot of the apostles were um, disciples at this time, mm-hmm. were probably teenagers, yeah. their apprentices, Um, That's why they can uh, leave their jobs. (laughs) That's right. Because if you were doing this full time, you might have a little more trouble getting out of your job. But it seemed like they were young men that could just leave. So immediately they left their boat and their father father and followed him. Zebedee obviously was somebody because it always mentions him. Mm -hmm. And uh, I I believe they found in one of the um, places that they went to worship uh, a pew or a chair described with the name Zebedee on it, mm-hmm. which is just kind of very interesting. interesting detail. So uh, these guys were religious, we believe. It wasn't like they're just some secular guys That's right. out fishing. Yeah. Uh, they wanted to meet the Messiah. They had spent a lot of time with the Messiah, and now the Messiah calls them. So immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. Just like Simon and Andrew, these two brothers did not hesitate but followed Jesus immediately. They even left their dad in the boat. And people need to consider the implication here. We so often talk about the importance of family in the Christian life, and family is very important. Uh We have a priority. If we don't provide for our own, you and I, we're worse than an infidel. But at the same time, Jesus is the priority. Uh, I just have before me Matthew 10 where Jesus says, he who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he who does not take uh, his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. And then he talks about you find your life by losing it. And it's so very true. You can be the most effective 
a father or a husband when when Christ is first, right. because then he enables you to do what you need to do. They just left them in the boat. Right. And I, I'm, I think dad probably would be very thankful because my sons are following the Messiah. Right. Yeah. yeah. So they follow Jesus. Yeah. They, um, it shows you they were willing to give up what they were doing. Yeah. A lot of people are not willing to give up. Um, the Lexham uh, Context Commentary on mm-hmm. the New Testament says, like the call of Peter and Andrew, Jesus' call to James and John is abrupt, mm-hmm. and their response is immediate. This time, though, what they leave behind is something more dramatic, as their father remains behind in the boat. Wow. As opposed to Peter and Andrew who left their nets, the boat is not characterized as their boat. Mm-hmm. James and John seem to be young men working for their father. Yeah while Peter and possibly Andrew work for themselves. Mm-hmm. The act of leaving everything in this verse will be alluded to in 1927. Yeah, right. So that wraps up uh, Matthew's account. And then we have a very abrupt count from Mark. That's right. Now we remember that Mark is from Peter's standpoint, That's at good. least church fathers and so yeah. say that. And uh, I, I don't like Mark because he just kind of skips a lot. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Here we are, and this is Mark yeah. chapter 1, verse 16. So it's basically, it picks up when Peter's story picks up almost. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it says, as he passed along the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, Simon's brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Now, just a couple interesting facts I found. Mm-hmm. Um, these boats were only about 26 feet long, mm-hmm. so they weren't massive. Uh, to put that in perspective, the average delivery truck, give or take, is 27 feet long here in America. Yeah. And the average school bus is around 37 feet long. Mm-hmm. So um, this isn't a giant boat. Right. Uh, and then the fishermen, they would cast their nets with weights around its edges. Mm-hmm. And when the net would be pulled up, the weights would draw the net together with hopefully the fish in mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. The point being, this was hard work. You just had a couple guys on a boat. They would throw out these heavy nets because they're weighted. Mm-hmm. You'd be in the sun or whenever you're fishing, and it was just a very difficult job. So, but Jesus says, follow me. Yeah. So that's what Jesus told them, and I will make you fish for people. Immediately, they left their nets and followed him. Yeah. And uh, I just love their response. Uh, um, we're going to jump down to verse uh, 19. Going on a little farther, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat, putting their nets in order. Mm-hmm. Immediately called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men yeah. and followed him. So there's a couple more facts. Mm-hmm. Mark gives the extra added detail that there were servants in the boat. This implies that Zebedee's fishing business was at least somewhat successful. Yeah. It was more than just family. Exactly. And I had a note, because some people try to say that to be fishers of men has to do with judgment mm. because they point back to Jeremiah 16, 16, mm-hmm. um, where I believe this is more, it's saying they're drawn from the darkness into the light, sure. um, from death into life. Mm-hmm. So um, just a side note there, not a, not a big point, but there's some back and forth uh, mm-hmm. intellectually on that part. But mm-hmm. I think the fishing for men is a good thing. That's right. <laughs> so um, yeah, so that. That's our passage. That's right. Um, anything you want to share before we look at what we can take and apply in this passage? Um, fishing. 
I remember when I was preaching through these accounts in both Matthew and Mark, and I got a internet article on how to fish, and it was so complex. <laughs> God bless the fishermen. Uh, Jesus makes fishing for men a lot more simple in what we're about to cover now in the application portion, that's for sure. Yeah. Well, that's when I, I say, you know, there's controversy with everything and Christian liberty. But yeah. if you are watching a show like The Chosen, yeah. I think it's very helpful just to kind of see yeah, exactly. um, the process. And if that's not your cup of tea, that you can probably watch a doc or something online or see some sure. history on how yeah. it's done. Yeah. But I think it's good to learn those little facts because yeah. then you appreciate it much more. There are two things about fishing that did stand out. One, it takes faith because you can't see the yeah. fish. <laughs> and number two, it takes patience. Yeah. And with evangelism, yeah. a lot of patience involved as well. Yeah. So very true. So we're going we're gonna to look at this passage and see the timeless truths and how we can apply it. Mm-hmm. Um, Jesus called his followers to, one, obey, and two, fish for men. These men would change the world. I bet if you asked them on that day or probably before then, because yeah. they knew Jesus was going to do something big, but even before they met Jesus— they were just normal nobodies. Mm-hmm. And yet these are the guys who truly changed the world. Did. Um, Luke, the historian, writes in Acts 17, uh, 6b through 7b, these men who have turned the world upside down have come here too, saying there is another king, Jesus. Mm-hmm. And that that's from a very negative aspect. <laughs> the people yeah. are not happy that the uh, apostles and so forth were there. But these are the men who changed the world. Turned mm. it upside down. That's right. So uh, I also have written, Christians often complicate their own lives, whereas our focus should be on following Jesus and fishing for men. Yeah. Uh, I think we add way too much. Um, I think there's a reason why the Pharisees and so those type of guys added so much to yeah. the law, because I think it's human nature. We like to create more laws and rules yeah. and regulations, where uh, Matthew 28 Jesus says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. And uh, it's it's that simple. If I can just add a, yeah. an illustration, um, mom and I uh, get up generally around five. Uh, my assignment is, and I do this because I'd like to, go downstairs, make the coffee, and bring mm-hmm. her a cup of coffee. My favorite part, and she probably doesn't know this, so I don't know if she's going to watch the podcast, <laughs> that little pot is still in you know, the coffee pot. So I go back to the end of the kitchen, open up the trash can, and you know, see if I can <laughs> hit it. Yeah, no. I'm at about 70%, uh, <laughs> so I'm getting pretty good at that. But you know, I bring her up her coffee. I go into my study and read. She reads, we walk. We're walking the other day. And uh, we have the same path. It's it's probably 6.15. And we know to one bus driver uh, from just sight because he passes the route from the University of Maryland. And I, we wave to him all the time. Very quickly, the one day, just recently, this is after a couple years of waving to him. He stops the bus. I get on the bus and I just told him I'm a pastor. I walk early. We're always looking for opportunities right. to share Christ. And he invites me. He goes, this is a godsend. I've been thinking about church and God, and here you are today. Can you write down your information? And I directed him. But it was the point, I was just having my devotion. The Lord opens up the door. The man stops the bus, he opens up the door. What do we have to do That We have to walk in and then just start to open our mouths for the Lord. Yeah. And there's that just point of spreading seed. Yeah. Right. Obviously, we plead with people, we care for people, 
we uh, explain, answer questions, so yeah. forth. But our main objective is to lovingly spread the seed. That's right. And then when uh, you get a bite, you have to go for it. Yeah, <laughs> you right. can't, that's you right. can't take the mindset that now that I threw the seed, I just sit back forever. You yeah, know, that's it, right. We do make disciples and it's work, mm. but uh, mm -hmm. it's great when you get a bite. You it's, know? Yeah. So, uh, question I need to ask myself mm -hmm. Have I embraced Jesus's words? by following all he taught and by fishing for people. Yeah. Now, clearly we uh, we obey all of the words given to us in the church age, mm -hmm. not just the words of Jesus. Mm -hmm. You have those people who try to say, "Well, I don't listen to Paul or I don't mm -hmm. I just listen to Jesus." Right. I obey scripture, understand who it's written for and apply it in your life. Mm. And we also fish for people. So, a right. uh, thought. And this is especially for people who've been Christians for a while. Yeah. Have I overcomplicated my Christian life? Mm -hmm. How am I doing following the words of Jesus? Do I fish for men or am I too scared or lazy? Who was the last person I fished for? And that's a yeah. good thing to think about. Who, who have you got? Do I make excuses since fish do not generally jump into my lap and I have to make an effort to find them? If I find the largest probably excuse I get um, as a youth pastor when I talk to Anyone from very little to 30s mm -hmm. is that um, either they don't get out enough or mm -hmm. they don't meet people or especially those in Christian school. Well, mm -hmm. I don't know many unsaved people. And I see so many excuses. But the point of fishing is you don't just sit in your boat right. and have the fish jump in the boat. You have to go and find them. And, yeah. and it takes effort. So uh, if you want, really want your church to grow... You need people to evangelize, go out there, because uh, very few people just walk through a church door yeah. just on their own initiative. People do and get saved, but many are outside the church and need to be reeled in with the truth. For you and me, we have to be focused on what God huh. calls us to do. Paul writes to Timothy, no one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. Yeah. I mean, we know what our role is. Yeah. We're, we're to study God's word. We're to make disciples. Yeah. We are to train people. I, I think so often pastors get involved in so many things yeah. and, and parishioners do the same thing too, where we miss the simplicity of our walk yeah. with God, but the necessity as Paul commands Timothy, yeah. he says, do the work of an evangelist. Yeah. We might not have the gift, but we're always looking yeah. uh, how to evangelize. So I think this is a noteworthy question that needs to be asked personally and then thought through. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, if you think, I was just thinking at our church, what if everybody just focused on one person? One person. Um, obviously, you don't save that person. Yeah. You give them the gospel, you show them love, yeah. truth. But what if just hypothetically, mm -hmm. um, everyone gets one person, gives them the gospel, and yeah. everyone saves or has one person leads them to the Lord and they're yeah. saved? I mean, your church doubles That's right. overnight. overnight. And not that it's about size, but at the end of the day, you do want as many people in the kingdom as possible. Exactly. So um, so that's just something we need to think about. And mm. then our, our final uh, employment point, our second one, Jesus's followers willingly became living sacrifices. Yeah. Uh, these men forsook their security and livelihood by agreeing to follow Jesus. Mm. I think that's the biggest problem in America today. Everybody wants security. Mm -hmm. um, I would have to say with all the people I work with, most are going to school for a job that makes money, not for something that they really, truly love. Yeah. 
and uh, it's all about security. Yeah, you could call it greed, maybe. Right. <laughs> but there's a big push that you need security, and when you come to Christ, you start seeing security might not be the the thing you need. Yeah. Um, obviously, we're supposed to work, we're supposed to do everything unto the Lord, but we need to say, I'm going to follow Jesus no matter what. And it might mean taking a different job so I can serve more yeah. or whatever the cause may be. But these men became living sacrifices. And they had a visible savior yeah. to follow. And you can tell by their response that they were going to be successful. But even just before Jesus dies and he's washing the disciples' feet, and uh, Peter is trying to argue with him about, yeah. you know, what Jesus is going to do. He basically, Jesus says, I'm going to fire you <laughs> unless you submit to me. And it, it also raises the question, how do you and I and others know the person yeah. to disciple, to train for ministry? And, and here's always the question, those who follow their earthly shepherd are those that are most likely going to be successful in ministry yeah. themselves. And I mean, bottom line... There are two kinds of pastors, those that please the people uh-huh. and then those who uh, please the Lord. The uh, former is usually more popular oh, because yeah. they're always doing what the people, oh, he's such a wonderful guy. But you stand in a, uh-huh. you sit in the pew and he's preaching and teaching and you're going, I'm getting nothing. It's because uh-huh. he had no time to prepare because uh-huh. he was pleasing you all week uh-huh. long. Uh, so it's very important just that um, uh, we, we, we train people as Jesus did uh-huh who were obedient to the shepherd in order that they might go out into yeah. that full-time employment and not have the security and, and follow Jesus. Definitely. Yeah. So uh, so these guys were living sacrifices. Yeah. They would be away from their families. Yeah. Now at this time, from the text, all we know is that Peter was uh, had a family. Yeah. Um, so that's why we think the others were possibly younger, mm-hmm. but they were still leaving them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And they would be hated by the religious leaders. They would face dangers on every road they would travel. Mm-hmm. Uh, three of these men, James, Andrew, and Peter, would be executed for yeah. their faith. Uh, yet they all remained faithful to the end. That's right. So, mm. And the question is, have I put the words of Jesus and the Bible above all else? Yeah. Is my life a living sacrifice for yeah. God? Yeah. And you don't hear that talked about a lot in Christian circles. That's right. It's always, what's your dream? What's your vision? Yeah. And it should be, okay, I need to, I'm a living sacrifice. And that comes from Romans 12, one through two. Yeah. Therefore, brothers and sisters, in view of the mercies of God, I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true worship. Do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may discern what is good, pleasing, and the perfect will of God. Mm. So a thought. Ask yourself this, have I fully surrendered to Jesus or am I hanging on to worldly possessions that are weighing me down? Mm. Am I willing to leave behind every weight that entangles me, that keeps me from obeying Jesus and fishing? Um, These men changed the world and I mentioned it before, but I heard someone say it and in the Old Testament, if you were called to obey God, there was physical blessing. Mm -hmm. Um, If you followed God, a lot of your promises of wealth and prosperity, that was given to Israel. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and uh, sadly, all the um, prosperity gospel today, they always have to go back there and rip it out of context sure. and try to apply it to the church. But you see in the church age, when you're called to follow Jesus, it's take up your cross yeah. and you're probably getting killed. <laughs> yeah. 
you're not promised a long life. It's a short life. People are going to hate you. Yet these guys were willing to give it all up. Where I think sometimes in modern Christianity, we want the prosperity along with the blessings of the gospel. And obviously God can bless you with things if he so wishes, but uh, we need to focus really on that we're going to be persecuted for, uh, and sometimes we don't like to give things up. In the notes you passed to me, am Uh, I willing to leave behind every weight? And -hmm. it brought my mind to Hebrews 12, Mm -hmm. 1 and 2, that we need to lay aside every weight, you know, anything that's slowing us down from following, we need to lay it aside. And the sin would so easily ensnares us, which I think is unbelief because he had just dealt with chapter 11 with the heroes of faith. So I I think the sin there is is unbelief because it is an act of obedience. It is laying aside these things that are distractions so we can make the main thing, the main thing. And I think that's uh, essential because the security is what everybody looks for. And you will get security in Christ, yeah. but it's not the security you get the that the best world security gets. And people don't get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> people don't understand. That's right. That I feel like the most secure man in the world, and it's simply because I'm trying to do what God wants. Mm-hmm. When people look at me, you live here, you do that, you do that, you know, and it's like, well, you know, why don't you do this, this, this? And it's like, I, I don't need to because I'm where God wants me. That's right. So uh, the challenge for uh, today is memorize Matthew four nineteen. Follow me, he told mm-hmm. them and I will make you fish for people. Then I challenge you to make a list of three people or one place you will fish at this week. Mm. Um, we can't just learn these facts and say, this is awesome. We have to take it and apply it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and expect rejection. <laughs> yeah. If people are saved, praise God, but uh, yeah. you're going out there, it's not easy, but do it. Yeah. Um, it's just start some conversations. Yeah. So getting to our main question, what are two of your main responsibilities as a follower of Christ? Mm-hmm. One, to follow all the words of Jesus along with Scripture. Mm-hmm. So we can't pick and choose, we obey. Yeah. Two, to fish for men by sharing the gospel. Yeah. If we do those two things, I think our Father in heaven is very pleased with us. Yeah. And that's why I have you memorize Matthew 4, 19. Jesus mm-hmm. says, follow me, and I will make you fish for people. Mm-hmm. Um. So uh, today's podcast only had one sentence spoken by Jesus, but had powerful implications. Anything you want to say before uh, we wrap this up? The verse, Matthew 4, 19, encouraged me like none other. All I need to do is follow Jesus, Mm -hmm. and he'll lead me to the people I need to evangelize. He'll energize me to speak those words, and he's doing it all, and all I have to do is follow. It's a pretty simple process. I think Christianity is much more simple than we make it out to be. I feel like we have a lot of ivory towers. Yeah. Everybody wants to be somebody. Yeah. And I find that mm. um, we like to try to join the ivory towers yeah. because then we're somebody. Yeah. But when we simply do these simple things, I think that's what God craves from us. That's right. So uh, I, I just challenge you, uh, follow Jesus and fish for people. That's right. In other words, be in the scripture. <laughs> it's pretty simple. Know what it says, apply it and then uh, Fish for People. So uh, that was podcast 16, Jesus's second call of Peter and the fishermen to ministry, which was taken from Matthew 4 and Mark 1 in the Jesus Said That series, looking everywhere Jesus said. Um, It was such a blessing uh, to be able to have these conversations with you Mm -hmm. and uh, talk. Uh, And I also uh, would ask you uh, to subscribe to the channel, be it on YouTube, 
or our Apple uh, podcast. Mm-hmm. And uh, we would love if you're in the Maryland, D.C., Virginia area yeah. uh, to come visit us at Comer Manor Bible Church. Nothing showy. Uh, just have a good time. We'll uh, talk with you um, and uh, just worship with you. And uh, you know your your spirit will be fed. And uh, I'm really looking forward to our next podcast. So we'll see you next time. Thanks.